Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode 43 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. I signed off the last episode with the usual, see you next time. I should have been much cuter and said, see you in court. So today we're going to talk more about water courts and some special legislation of interest. First, as a follow-up to the teaser about individuals being able to condemn private property in Colorado. That's true, and that condemnation can only occur when trying to move a water project forward and having a recalcitrant landowner stopping the project. Of course, condemnation is a last-ditch effort after unsuccessfully trying to obtain the land through consent. During an application for a water right, the applicant must have the necessary legal interest in the land where the water facilities will be built or show that they can obtain it. If the landowner does not consent, the Colorado Constitution and statutes provide a private right of condemnation across private lands of others for the construction and operation of water facilities, such as pipelines and reservoirs, upon payment of just compensation to the property owners. The right to cross another person's land to construct, maintain, and operate a water facility, such as a reservoir, ditch, or headgate, has always been an essential feature for obtaining and maintaining a water right. Maintenance may include activities such as cleaning ditches, weed control, or monitoring water diversions, among others. Those who interfere with the operation of a water facility, damage it, or prevent access for those who own the structure are subject to trespass laws, payment of damages, and restoration of the structure. Consent is required when a governmental entity owns the land because governmental land cannot be condemned. This is usually obtained through a permit process. Let's move on to exchanges. Within the prior appropriation system, a water exchange allows an upstream diverter to take water that a downstream diverter would otherwise receive if the water is replaced at the time, place, quantity, and suitable quality the downstream diverter enjoyed before the exchange. The four critical requirements for a water exchange are, one, the source of substitute water supply must be upstream of the senior diversion calling the water. Two, the substitute water supply must be equivalent in amount and of suitable quality for the downstream senior. Three, there must be available natural flow in the exchange reach. And four, the water rights of others cannot be injured when implementing the exchange. Court approval of an exchange assigns it a priority in relation to other water rights and exchanges operating in the same stream reach. If water is available in priority 
and the exchange will not cause injury to other water rights, the state engineer and division engineers may allow a water exchange without a court decree. A water exchange may decrease water flows in a particular stream segment in return for substituting water into another stream segment above the water right to which the exchange is made. Do water courts get involved when there is a market for water rights? Well, yes. Colorado water law allows a market for water rights. A water right may be changed to another type and place of use, retaining its priority date. However, conditions of a change of water rights include 1. The change is subject to obtaining a revised court decree. 2. The water right is measured by beneficial consumptive use made in time, location, and quantity in accordance with the terms of the original appropriation and decree over a representative historical time period. And 3. The change decree contains conditions requiring maintenance of return flow patterns, alleviating material injury to other water rights and preventing enlargement of the original water right. And the water court determines if all these conditions have been met. Can a ditch company prevent water from being transferred out of a ditch After a farmer has sold his water rights to a third party? The answer, unfortunately, is yes. Would this prevent a water court transfer process? I'm pretty sure it would. A ditch company may adopt, quote, reasonable bylaw provisions governing the transfer of water rights out of the ditch system. Many ditch companies have adopted into their bylaws what is referred to as the Caitlin provision. A Caitlin, that's spelled C-A-T-L-I-N, bylaw, requires that any stockholder desiring to change the place to which water is to be delivered must make a written request to the ditch board of directors to approve the change, and that request has to be approved before moving or changing the use of that water through water court to a new use and new location. Be careful. If your intent is to buy water rights from a farmer that has been irrigating land under a ditch, you might not be able to do anything with those water rights other than continue farming. The other farmers on that ditch have veto power on what you can do with your private property rights. Really? Is this legal? To my knowledge, there has not been a successful court challenge to the Caitlin provisions that would overturn the power of a ditch company to control what can be done with the shares from a ditch with the Caitlin provision in its bylaws. This seems to me to be a slap in the face 
of those who believe in private property rights. The key word seems to be reasonable. Is a bylaw controlling your private property rights reasonable? So some ditch companies that have Caitlin bylaws, and not all do, can prevent a change of water rights. So you could be stuck. Make sure to read the bylaws before buying water shares from certain ditches. Wow. Let's move on. Here's something very interesting that I learned while looking up things for this episode. In 2016, the Colorado General Assembly authorized the creation of a unique type of water right that allows the owner of an irrigation water right to undergo a change of water court proceedings to obtain an agricultural water protection water right decree. They call it the AWPWR, Agricultural Water Protection Water Right. The AWPWR is unique in that the new AWPWR decree does not need to identify a new type and place of use. After this change is decreed, the owner of the AWPWR may lease, loan, or trade up to 50% of the decreed historical consumptive use to a new place or type of use. A lease loan, or trade of the changed water right requires a substitute water supply plan from the state engineer. The other 50% of the decreed historical consumptive use must remain in irrigated agriculture. An AWPWR is only available for irrigation water rights in the South Platte River and Arkansas River basins. Good to know. I have been arguing for a long time that as long as only the consumptive use is transferred, it shouldn't make any difference as to where that consumptive use is transferred to or for what purpose. Now, if only the legislature will apply the same reasoning to the remaining 50% of the farmer's water rights, I'd be a contented man. Now let's talk about whether water court approval is needed for augmentation and replacement plans. You can divert water out of priority by implementing an augmentation plan, but augmentation plans do require court approval. As you know, water court approval may take three to five years. If you need the water sooner, you can file an application with the state engineer. He can approve temporary changes of water rights under what are known as substitute water supply plans. This allows water deliveries to continue while water court applications for changes of water rights or augmentation plans are pending. 
a substitute water supply plan approved by the state engineer requires adequate replacement water to cover depletions of the water that would injure senior water rights. These plans typically run for one year. Because they run only for one year, they are also referred to as temporary substitute water supply plans. Temporary substitute water supply plans do not require court approval. But if you need to divert water out of priority for a long period, the Colorado General Assembly has provided for augmentation plans which will allow this to occur. These are measures designed to protect senior water rights while allowing junior water rights to divert out of priority. In over-appropriated areas, applicants are generally unable to obtain a well permit for tributary groundwater or make a surface diversion without a plan to replace impacts to senior water rights. Junior water rights are curtailed unless they operate in priority or replace their impacts when they are not in priority. Injury occurs if the out-of-priority diversion intercepts water that would otherwise be available under natural conditions to the senior water right at the same time and place of its need. A person who wants to divert out of priority by implementing an augmentation plan must file an application with the water court in the water basin he wants to divert water. In his application, he must demonstrate where he will get water to replace his out-of-priority water. Replacement water may come from any legally available source and be provided by a variety of means. A replacement plan identifies the structures, diversions, beneficial uses, timing, and amount of stream depletions to be replaced along with how and when the replacement water will be supplied and how the plan will be operated. Some plans may use storage water to replace depletions and control timing of those placements. Here's something that is hard to grasp but is used as replacement plans all the time. Some augmentation plans include the use of unlined irrigation ditches and ponds during the non-growing season to recharge the groundwater aquifers that feed the river. In this way, they generate, quote, credits to replace depletions to the streams that supply senior water rights, protecting against injury caused by out-of-priority groundwater pumping. I have never done this, but conceptually, if you put water in an unlined ditch or pond, the water will seep out into the surrounding groundwater system. 
it does this slowly over time. Those return flows are waters that you have inserted into the system would have been retimed. It would be necessary to hire a competent water engineer to calculate how much water will be put into the surrounding groundwater and how long and when that groundwater will reach the receiving stream to offset the depletions caused by your out-of-priority diversions. That's a mouthful. I hope you grasp the concept. Although we covered water court in the last episode, just a short summary description on water court. An applicant must prove the elements of a new water right. That is to say, the source of water, the location, the point of diversion, the date of appropriation, the amount of water to be diverted, and the beneficial use to which the water will be placed. In change of water right and plan for augmentation application, the applicant must also prove the absence of material injury to other water rights from the proposed change or plan. This requires the applicant to present evidence that is, testimony and exhibits. In change of use and plan for augmentation cases, applicants usually must hire a hydrologist, water engineer, or other technical expert to help prove the absence of injury to other water rights. This gets complicated. Opposers may participate in new water right proceedings to require the applicant to prove the elements of a new right. In order to argue injury to a water right in a change of use or plan for augmentation case, the opposer must have a water right that could be injured by the proposed change or plan. At times, an opposer may also be required to prove certain claims. If the court finds that the applicant has met his or her burden of proof and the opposer does not agree, the opposer would need to support his or her position with credible evidence. All parties must obey all rules and court orders concerning the presentation of evidence. Of course, water court is a bureaucracy. Therefore, there are forms and filing fees. If you get this far into a water case, an attorney can explain all these to you. There are also notification requirements. Applicants must, by certified or registered mail, notify landowners who may be affected by the application. The applicant must also submit a summary or resume of his application, which will later be published in the water resume. A water resume is a document that summarizes the requested water rights contained in application 
for that particular month. Each month, the water court compiles the water resume for all of the applications to be published in that month. The resume is typically subscribed to by practically all water attorneys, water engineers, cities, and others that think they could be affected by water court applications. They will read them to determine if a particular application could affect them or their clients, and they can ask for more information from water court. After receiving more information on a case that an opposer thinks could impact his existing water rights, he will typically use all that information to decide if he wants to oppose the case and file a statement of opposition. So, how do you object to a water rights application, augmentation plan, or other issue before a water court? If you want to object to a recently filed water court application, you may enter a case by filing a statement of opposition using a certain form called a JDF 303W. The statement of opposition must be filed no later than the last day of the second month following the month in which the application is filed. As with the application, specific information is required in order to successfully file a statement of opposition. If you get this far and want to object, best to consult an attorney that has done it a hundred times before. I have worked with several water attorneys and can provide suggestions if you want to contact me. And a final reminder, the applicant bears the burden of proving that he or she is entitled to have the application approved. In change of water right and augmentation plan cases, the applicant must show that its proposed water use, if decreed, will not injure other water rights. This can sometimes get very expensive to prove that no injuries will occur. Water court is not something to be taken lightly. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bore you. I just wanted to get this information out there. I also like to try to keep episodes to under 25 minutes. I don't know about you, but my attention span has never been very long. I hope these past two episodes have given you some idea on what water court is and how you go about it. After I sit in on more cases, I will report back. If you want to reach me, send me an email at Tommy at nowater.com. That's K-N-O-W hyphen water.com. I welcome input. I love water issues, but have to break and go listen to my favorite stream to recharge. Come join me. See you next time.